Toronto supermarket. The 21-year-old suspect now charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. All 10 victims now identified, among them a police officer and father of seven. The moments of terror, how it unfolded. One worker saying she saw a man shot in front of her multiple times. What we're learning from the suspect's family and the questions. What was the motive? And after two mass shootings in a week, President Biden's new call to ban assault weapons and tighten gun laws in a divided Senate. Can this go anywhere? The new missile launched by North Korea, the first since President Biden took office. The new images from inside border facilities, migrant children packed into pods, sleeping on mats, and our rare access on patrols by air and by water. New questions about AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine a day after the company said it was safe and effective. Did it use outdated data? The controversial changes proposed for the post office, what it could mean for your mail, and kids under pressure. Could the pandemic spell the end of standardized testing? This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. This is not the normal anyone wanted to return to. The America where people going about their day, going about their business, can have their lives snatched from them by a stranger with a gun. The mass murder at a Colorado grocery store yesterday rekindles a legacy of terror and loss none of us wants to revisit. Yet just a week after the mass shooting in Atlanta, here we are tonight trying to understand what drove a man to open fire on shoppers in Boulder, Colorado. Ten lives being mourned tonight, including the police officer who ran towards the shots and died trying to stop the killer. We'll tell you about his bravery and his personal story and what we know of the others whose fates collided in the aisles of that store. Aaron McLaughlin is there with late details. Tonight we're learning more about the deadly grocery store attack in Boulder, Colorado. There's a shooter, active shooter, get away! The alleged gunman now charged with ten counts of murder victims ages 20 to 65, 10 in total, including 62-year-old Lynn Murray, a wife and mother of two, 25-year-old Ricky Olds, and 20-year-old Denny Stong, both employees at the store, 61-year-old Kevin Mahoney, whose heartbroken daughter says she's thankful he walked her down the aisle last summer, and police officer 51-year-old Eric Talley, the first to arrive on the scene. I feel numb, um, and it's heartbreaking. It's tragic. This officer had seven children. Many were at the store for their COVID vaccine. Others for a simple shopping trip. The shooting spree began Monday afternoon in the King Super's parking lot. Grocery store worker Emily Giffen was there. She says she saw an elderly man shot multiple times. This guy with this huge gun, um, huge like assault gun, came up behind him and shot him like three more times in the back while he was down. The suspect then entered the store with an assault rifle to continue his deadly rampage. Nearly an hour after the shooting began, the suspect, shot in the leg, surrendered to the SWAT team after removing most of his clothes. The suspect's been identified as Ahmed Alalawi Alesi, 21 years old. He's known to have a history of violent behavior, including pleading guilty to a 2017 assault charge. He did not answer questions to police at the scene, though he asked to speak to his mother. According to the affidavit, his sister-in-law says she saw the suspect playing with what she described as a machine gun about two days ago. What this person did was awful, but, like, what's left behind is awful, too. And, like, how do we... And we just... How do we just go on, like, normal? I don't know how to go to work and, like, see...
spot where my friends died and like be okay. Tonight, the motive remains unclear. Law enforcement officials say so far they found no evidence that this was a hate crime or an act of terror. They say the suspect may have a history of mental illness and violent behavior. Lester? So frightening and so unnecessary, Aaron. Thank you. President Biden said he was devastated by the attack. Another American city, he said, now scarred by gun violence. This is not and should not be a partisan issue. This is an American issue. It will save lives, American lives. We have to act. Kristen Welker is at the White House. Kristen, what's the president calling for? Lester, President Biden called on the Senate to pass two bills already approved by the House that would expand background checks, and he urged Congress to reenact the assault weapons ban. It's uphill for any new gun legislation, with the Senate divided. Most Republicans and at least one Democrat argue the focus should be on enforcing the laws already in place instead of imposing new ones. As a candidate, Mr. Biden vowed to introduce new gun legislation on his first day, but has yet to do so. All right, Kristen Welker, thank you. As a nation, we have been here so many times before, more than 100 times over the last 20 years. After a deadly pandemic year, the country is again facing an enemy within, gun violence and mass murder. Here's Tom Costello. Yet again tonight, familiar heartbreak and a gut-wrenching irony that the victims in Boulder managed to survive a global pandemic only to die in America's decades-long epidemic of gun violence. Only a week ago, it was Atlanta. Before that, there was Milwaukee and El Paso, Dayton, Virginia Beach, Thousand Oaks, Pittsburgh, Santa Fe, Parkland, Las Vegas, Orlando, Newtown, Aurora, Charleston, Virginia Tech. The list of places and names goes on and on. Since the Columbine Massacre in 1999, there have been at least 114 mass shootings, 1,300 victims. Today, former President Obama wrote, we should be able to live our lives without wondering if the next trip outside our home could be our last. We should, but in America, we can't. While hate and mental problems occur in every country, America is unique with more guns than there are people. The effort has always been through American history to protect everyone's rights under the Constitution, but at the same time, we all have the right to public safety. The country has suffered through so many mass murders, many Americans now feel a personal connection to one or even more. The same hometown, the same school, the same grocery store, the same bar or concert. Just as the country begins to emerge from the COVID darkness, the question many are asking tonight, is America's new normal just the old normal once again? Tom Costello, NBC News. Just breaking tonight, North Korea testing the Biden administration by firing two short-range missiles, apparently over the weekend. But senior administration officials are downplaying it. They're saying the president is still open to dialogue with North Korea. President Biden also facing a challenge at the southern border. Federal authorities released video inside overcrowded migrant facilities in Texas as we get a new first-hand look at border patrols. Gabe Gutierrez is there. The newly released images shot last week by the government at border facilities in Donna and El Paso, Texas, depict crowded but orderly conditions. Migrant children in mass having their temperatures taken. <laughs> Others exercising outside. Small children on laps waiting to be processed. Others sleeping on mats with mylar blankets. A striking contrast 
makeshift playpen placed so far from home. The images were released the day after Democratic Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar leaked photos inside the Dama facility. Some rank-and-file Border Patrol agents who've been inside this facility say it's not their fault. But Border Patrol agents were not, were not daycare. Um, so that's not what we're designed for. I'll go over to East and ask you. Today, we vote along with the Texas Department of Public Safety, who helps federal agents patrol the border by air. This is the epicenter of the migrant surge here in the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas DPS says that it's encountered nearly 9,000 migrants in just the last two weeks. It took just a few minutes for us to start seeing migrant after migrant crossing. Here comes another raft across. And here's another one. There's 31 right here. 31 in that group alone? Just in this group right here. Some of them, young children. There's three children and the rest are adults. And you guys are seeing this all day. All day long. You can see the coyotes returning uh, to the Mexican side right now. In just a few minutes that we've been up here, we've seen more than 60 migrants cross the border? That's correct. And there's 12 or eight, eight, nine minutes time. These troopers are also on the lookout for smugglers by boat. Tonight, the battle at the border fought on multiple fronts. Here along the Rio Grande, local and state authorities say they're having to fill the gaps the Border Patrol diverts resources to handle the migrant surge. Preston? A stunning view of that surge. All right, Gabe, thanks. In just 60 seconds, our exclusive inside the company making what could be the next vaccine. Jury selection was completed today in the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer charged in the death of George Floyd. Six jurors are people of color, nine are white. Opening statements begin on Monday. A day after AstraZeneca said its vaccine was safe and effective in U.S. trials, federal health officials are raising concerns, saying an independent panel questioned whether the company was using outdated data. AstraZeneca stands by its trial information but vows to share more in 48 hours. With the three vaccines currently being used, almost 84 million Americans have now received at least one dose. For some who have had COVID, the problem, though, persists. A new study finding neurological problems common among so-called COVID long haulers. Here's Ann Thompson. With each step of the group and test, and I'll try to strap you in, Carl Shaughnessy helps decode a COVID mystery. Six months after your recovery, you are still struggling with issues. Does anyone understand why? A lot of it's unknown. A lot of it works still in all of COVID. It's unknown. It affects everybody differently. By examining heart, lungs, and blood flow, answers may come from post-COVID clinics like this one at Stony Brook Medicine on Long Island. We'll take a look. Dr. Sirsa Rajupate is at the vanguard of pandemic health. Is it time to look at COVID-19 as a chronic disease? The way we're seeing long-term symptoms, I anticipate we should be looking at it as a chronic disease. Today, Northwestern Medicine reports a stunning 85% of non-hospitalized COVID long haulers suffer persistent neurological issues, including brain fog, headache, and numbness or tingling. On Shaughnessy's medical chart, irregular heartbeat, diabetes, loss of balance, and brain fog, none of which he had before COVID. His wife, Susan, is a registered nurse. He was a fully functioning, healthy, 57-year-old man pre-COVID. It's the toughest challenge of their 13-year marriage. Carl spent 47 days in the hospital, 19 on a ventilator. When Carl came home, he had to learn how to walk and use his arms again. And live with fatigue, daily glucose checks, and heart problems. I think 
it's like that caused by COVID or does COVID reveal them? I'm not sure that we know the answer to that yet. Many patients face mental health challenges too. After living through COVID, there's high anxiety, high stress, depression, sadness. For the Shaughnessy's, there's also gratitude. I'm very fortunate to be alive and breathing. I'm, I'll, you know, I'll take this gladly. As they seek answers one step at a time. Ann Thompson, NBC News, Comac, New York. Now an NBC News exclusive inside a company developing another COVID vaccine it hopes will be a global game changer. With more on that, here's Katie Beck. Developing vaccines is an uphill race, one that Novavax CEO Stanley Erb has been running for decades. How close to the finish line do you consider yourself to be at this point? Well, never close enough. Uh, but we are close. Maryland-based Novavax has been developing vaccines for more than 30 years, but has never had one approved and on the market. Now, a possible victory on the horizon as the company mass-produces tens of millions of doses of its COVID-19 vaccine, confident it will be authorized for use in the United States. Do you believe your product is better than the other ones out there? I think they all work. And I think everybody should take whatever vaccine that they should, that they're offered them. Promising early test results secured Novavax a $1.6 billion contract from Operation Warp Speed to produce 100 million doses for the U.S. But pre-pandemic, Novavax was sinking, suffering setbacks after several failed phase three trials. We had to, to lay off people. It hurts everybody's morale when you do that. On the verge of collapse in December of 2019, at times, companies stopped trading at a dollar. If you've been around it as long as I have, you've seen a lot of experiments fail, but you also see people figure out why and then fix it. The company's recent data from phase three trials of its COVID-19 vaccine show 96% efficacy, and against the UK variant, 86%. Everyone comes here, checks in. NBC News was the first crew allowed into this biotech lab in College Station, Texas, where vaccine production is bustling. We are focused on making as much vaccine as we possibly can. Here at the Texas facility, 80,000 square feet transformed to produce COVID vaccine as quickly as possible. Now they've added 300 employees and are making millions of doses inside those bioreactors every month. Novavax paired with the biotech arm of Fujifilm to use this space tapped by the federal government years ago as an emergency vaccine site in case of a pandemic. Novavax already fulfilling vaccine orders with Canada and Australia and in talks with Europe facing critical shortages. Back in Maryland, Novavax is transforming space too. A year ago today, I couldn't have filled out this corner. <laughs> but this year, the company grew from 100 employees to 800 and it's worth $15 billion. Still, their success relies on FDA authorization, expected to be sought in May. It's the failed experiments that we learn from, you know, and so if you can learn from them and, and uh, have the wherewithal, uh, you can win. Irk knows from experience it's still too early for a victory lap. That will come when Novavax shots go into arms. Katie Beck, NBC News. Up next, how big cuts by the Postal Service may impact you. If you find the U.S. Postal Service frustrating, you may soon have more to complain about under a new plan unveiled today. Jeff Bennett has details. 
Persistent delays at the U.S. Postal Service have done real damage to small businesses like Jody Kressel's pet supply company. How has it affected your business? Basically, the post office is making me lose money by having to send my customers replacements or refunds. She's bracing for what could come next, with Postmaster General Louis DeJoy calling for longer delivery times for some first-class mail, shorter hours at some post offices, and more expensive postal rates all part of a sweeping 10-year plan unveiled today. It is designed to achieve the goals of financial sustainability and service excellence. The Postal Service lost more than $9 billion in 2020, with complaints piling up about delayed packages, payments, and prescriptions. Brittany Davis, like many military veterans, depends on the mail for medication. It really does make me worry about the potential of not having my medication. Jody's struggling with how to adapt. It just infuriates me. They want to raise their costs for services that they can't provide. They're among the millions of Americans waiting on the U.S. Postal Service to deliver. Jeff Bennett, NBC News, Washington. In our series, Kids Under Pressure Now, what more and more colleges are leaving out of the admissions process, standardized testing. Here's Antonia Hilton. For these high school seniors, show of hands, who here ended up taking a standardized test? Just one. A key college admissions predictor, standardized tests, gone. There was a lot of pressure in it. All three applied test-free to University of California schools. The pandemic administrators say intensifying concerns around the fairness of tests. This year, the UCs saw record applications with a surge among black and Latino kids. Is it going to level the playing field? Probably not. Do I think people might get a better shot? Yeah. Our NBC News study found tests, quizzes, and assessments were the number one stressor for students in fall 2020. David Joaquin says even without the pressure of the SAT, he fell behind. He lost a family member this year and had to care for four siblings. This has been a pretty emotional, hard time for me, and I know that whatever score we have gone in, I would not have been happy with it. But testing might not be gone for good. The UC system considering coming up with its own exam. Any way you can find uh, more contextual information to, to understand students, I think that would be a great thing, particularly if the tests don't create sort of the separation between the have and have nots. But couldn't any tests end up separating the haves and have nots? Absolutely. It's certainly uh, something we're mindful of, and how does that inform how we move forward in an equitable manner? To Corey Cleveland's parents, never got the chance to go to college. I think the removal of standardized testing is just pulling a leaf off of one of the trees. We need to attack the root because you can't affect the system by separately tackling one part of it. Now she hopes to be the last in her family to ever worry about a high-stakes test. Antonia Hilton, NBC News, Los Angeles. Up next, we honor the heroic police officer who is inspiring America. president called him an American hero. Tonight, we salute Boulder police officer Eric Talley. Overnight, a hero salute for a fallen brother in blue. A solemn procession honoring officer Eric Talley. He died charging into the line of fire to save people who were simply trying to live their lives and go food shopping. The first to rush to the scene. He loved this community. And he's everything that policing deserves and needs the 51 year old husband and father of seven praised for his bravery when the moment the act came officer tully did not hesitate in his duty
Tally's sister, Kirsten, remembering her big brother as a beautiful soul. My heart is broken. What a devastating loss this is to so many. Sore. Tally's father sharing that his son loved his kids and his family more than anything and was training for a job as a drone operator because he didn't want to put his family through something like this. We can never thank Officer Tally or his family enough for their sacrifice, but we will not forget it. That's nightly news for this Tuesday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other.